for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm Keith Poston. The original North Carolina Teaching Fellows Program that produced more than 8,000 North Carolina public school teachers was eliminated by the General Assembly in 2011. This year, state legislators created a new version of the program targeting STEM and special education teachers, as well as incentivizing teaching in low-performing schools. Today on the show, we're going to talk with deans from two of the schools of education recently selected for the inaugural class of new teaching fellows. We'll also chat with two leading education reporters about what's making headlines in education across the state. Before we tackle our main topic, we often with, open with our own headlines, a quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. Wake County School Superintendent Jim Merrill announced his retirement last week at a meeting of the Wake County School Board. Merrill, 67, will officially retire February 1, 2018. Jim Merrill started as superintendent in 2013 and was named State Superintendent of the Year last year. He was also a finalist for National Superintendent of the Year. Wake School Board Chairwoman Monika Johnson Hostler said the board would move to quickly fill the position and will discuss next steps at its December 5th meeting. In case you didn't know, Wake County Public Schools is the state's largest school district. Robinson County school leaders have until February 1, 2018 to decide what to do with Southside Ashpole Elementary School. Southside Ashpole was selected to become the first and at this time only school to become part of the new North Carolina Innovative School District, an initiative that would turn over operations of some low-performing schools to charter school operators. Despite local opposition from many parents and community leaders after being named to the short list, the ISD and the state board moved forward with the selection. By law, Robinson County must now hand over operations or close the school. School board leaders said last week they were undecided on next steps and would be seeking additional answers from the state and input from the community. The ISD takeover model has been controversial since the start, borrowing its design from a similar effort in Tennessee. Finally, yet another new study is out about the benefits of early childhood education. The study, which was published in the journal Educational Researcher, found that kids who attended a high-quality preschool program were 11% more likely to graduate high school. They were also 8% less likely to be held back or placed in special education. According to the study's authors, these results provide further evidence for expanding access to high-quality preschool. About 27,000 kids are currently enrolled in North Carolina's pre-K program for military and low-income families, with another 4,000 on the program's wait list. Remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org, click on Education Matters, and read more about each of these headlines, as well as other topics we cover each week. As I said at the top of the show, we're going to talk about the te new Teaching Fellows Program today. And joining us for the first segment are two deans from schools that were recently selected to be part of the program. We have Marianne Danowitz. She is the dean of the NC State College of Education, also the chair of the new North Carolina Teaching Fellows Commission. And next to her is Dr. Ann Bullock. Ann is the dean of Elon University School of Education. Thank you both for being here. Thank you. Um, Dr. Danowitz, you were here with us on our very first show yes. in October last year, and we talked about teaching fellows and how right. we one of the things we needed to do was bring a program back. And now it's here, and you're the chair of the commission, and you've got this program. So why is this program 
a program like this important in your perspective? Keith, I believe it's so important because what it does, it begins to encourage talented folks who want a career in education, especially in our high needs areas, to enter education with the expectation that they will not have the burden of a high cost to enter a profession that's not necessarily going to be a high earning one. It also, I think, really represents a significant statement on the part of our legislature that education is an important investment for the state in terms of building our future workforce. And by focusing on STEM and special education, what the legislature has done that's different than the FIRST program is to really key on what are the critical shortage areas and what are the areas that are most important to support our future educators and also our future citizens in North Carolina. Right, and we, we'll pull up on the screen. We've got a, uh -huh. a map of there's five universities yes. that have been um, that are be part of it. One of them is Elon University, and and I know um, because of the being involved with the first program, Elon well, I believe was the first private university in the original Teaching Fellows program. So so why why was it so why is it so important to Elon? Why do you care so much about this program? Elon cares about this program because we believe that at Elon you get a great education. And this program allows scholarship monies to bring students to both private and public institutions and to see what they can get and what's the best fit for them if they want to be a teacher. Elon never um, disbanded their Teaching right. Fellows program. We have kept it, made it a national Teaching Fellows program. Um, that has expanded at Elon into other Fellows programs in business and communications and College of Arts and Sciences. And so we really see the value of a cohorted, specific focused program to really prepare leaders for the classroom. They're going to make a difference for all the children of North Carolina. Right. Marianne, you were on the um, commission and that, that I guess ultimately selected the five universities. Yes. Um, how are you? So with State Carolina, Meredith, um, Elon, and UNC Charlotte. Correct? Yes, that's right. right. I'll make sure I didn't forget anybody. You've got it. How are they selected? We worked very, very closely with the guidelines that were specified in the legislation. And what many people don't know is that there's a considerable accountability and requirements that the legislature has passed, that the Department of Public Instruction has, so that we were focused on the effectiveness of institutions. That meant that we looked to the criteria that the legislation had laid out, which focused on the performance of candidates, the effectiveness of student performance where their graduates taught, and overall the pass rate on licensure exams. And we used the benchmarks of the state average and then looked at institutional performance in those areas. In addition to that, there were very other there were other criteria that were important, such as the emphasis on engagement, the emphasis on leadership experiences, uh, the emphasis uh, that institutions placed on working with diverse populations and underserved populations. Well, you, you mentioned it's, it's a, the, what, uh, one of the questions I've heard about the, I mean, this is yes. obviously, this is a start, five yes, schools. Yes, it is. You mentioned diversity. Um, no historically black colleges or universities in the first five. Why was that not, I mean, we, we, we talked about on the show, we have, a, we have a teacher diversity problem in North Carolina. We do. Was that not a consideration at that point? It was a consideration, but that was not the focus of the legislation. Right. And our, as a commission, our responsibility was to look for high quality based on the criteria that 
the legislature had set, we had some excellent, excellent applications from colleges that are doing amazing things. But looking closely at what the initial criteria mm -hmm. were, we were in a situation where at this point we we're focusing on that rather than institutional diversity or regional considerations. Right. Well, let's look at the, I'm going to, we're going to put on the screen some, mm -hmm. some images about um, the process. How are the fellows going to be selected, um, Dr. Bullock? They will go through an application process through a central website that is being generated by UNCGA. Yeah, we've um, got it on the screen now. It's, mm -hmm. it's ncteachingfellows.com. Right. So uh, anyone that's interested, and I think it's important to note that you could do this as a high school student, as a community college transfer student, as someone that's in a university or college now that would want to transfer to one of the five sites, or as in a, someone that has a bachelor's degree that might want to do an MAT program or do it licensure right, those are a couple. Of, we mentioned the STEM and special education, but that's another new feature of the program mm -hmm. is that it's open to uh, people who already have a degree or already in college. So that's yes. be, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out because this is all about, and, and Dr. Danowitz, you mentioned about um, the message that it sent from the legislature. Don't you think that's, that is real important, right? I mean, I always said that the, the Teaching Fellows Program, it wasn't just about the number of teachers, but it was that we've said teachers are important. Exactly. And, and I think that that message really, really comes strongly, not only in terms of the commitment to support 160 students, but also that the legislature sees the areas that are most critical to strengthen our schools in North Carolina. Right. Well, um, last question for you. Um, big picture, do you think this is going to be a, a difference in terms of the teacher pipeline? you think this is important um, uh, for our state? It absolutely is important for our state. Every child in North Carolina deserves a great teacher, and this is going to allow people at different stages of their lives to become a teacher. Those that have wanted to be a teacher and didn't do it as an undergraduate now have an opportunity to get some scholarship money and do this and make a difference. Amen on that. Thank yes. you both for being here today for talking about it. And go to the, our website. We'll have all these links to the program. But when we come back, we're going to be joined by two leading education reporters who will tell us what's been making headlines across North Carolina. But first, see if you can answer this question, true or false. New teaching fellows can re repay their loan twice as fast by teaching in a low-performing school. Welcome back to Education Matters. Did you correctly answer true? Students can repay their for forgivable loan twice as fast if they choose to teach in a low-performing public school. Joining us now to discuss what is hot and happening in education news are two of the best reporters in education Aww. in North Carolina. Thank you. Thank we have uh, Lisa Phillip, who is an education reporter at WUNC Radio, and Kelly Hinchcliffe, education reporter, WREL News. Thank you both for coming today. All right, so I, I keep up with what, everything that you cover. So, but tell me a little bit about what are some of the recent things. I'll start with you, uh, Kelly. What have you been covering? Sort of what's been, other than, I guess you've been covering the lawsuits between the yes. state board and the superintendent a lot. Yes, uh, for the past year, I've been covering the ongoing lawsuit between the state board and new state superintendent, Mark Johnson. And actually that lawsuit was filed last December, so we're coming up on the one year anniversary of it. And basically, for people who might not know, it's basically a power struggle between the two of who has control of our state's public school system. You're talking about a $10 billion school system with 1.5 million students. And 
each wants to be able to control the budget, to be able to control who is hired and fired at the Department of Public Instruction. So we've been following that very closely. Um, what about you, Lisa? What's been, um, uh, in, from your perch, you, um, you've been covering a lot of things uh, happening in Chapel Hill. I know that uh, I just read a couple of stories about the, the silent SAM fight. That was one of the things. Right, right. I uh, recently started covering the UNC system, um, particularly the Board of Governors. You've probably noticed people have been paying a lot of attention to that board um, these past few months just because of uh, sort of an increasing tendency for the board to reach down into campuses um, and take actions more uh, seen as micromanaging, I guess, and, uh, than they have been seen in the past. And uh, with the Silent Sam uh, uh, sort of controversy, that also rose in recent months. Uh, you know, it's a Confederate monument on campus that a lot of students and faculty have come out um, in protest uh, uh, and have requested that it be removed. Yeah, I think actually, I think the School of Ed and some others, I mean, they just released something this week. Yes. In fact, we had, a, you may recall, we had um, President Spellings on the week of um, Charlottesville, uh, right when all that was first sort of uh, spinning up. But yeah, mm -hmm. that's been, what else um, um, has been going on? What else have you been covering? Um, so I've been recently doing some reporting on just the lack of teacher diversity in the state. Uh, it was just, uh, recently aired a story about the fact that they're the 80 percent of the teachers in North Carolina are white and I wanted to explore some of the causes for this and I spoke with uh, the executive director of the NC NAACP and, and had some interesting conversations about how black and Latino students are feeling in classrooms and how that impacts their um, feelings towards going into teaching uh, because there are disparities in school discipline and in teacher expectations for minority students. Right. This, uh, teach, the teaching profession isn't necessarily something that they want to uh, go into. Well, that's a, that, that, that makes it, raises an interesting question for, for you and for both of you. How do you decide on a story like, like that? A story like that, that's something that's a, more of a trend. It's sort of something you're sort of right. watching and seeing, whereas things are kind of breaking news. How do you decide on what, right. you, what you think is it the viewers want to hear? Do they let you know? Uh, uh, oh, you... <laughs> yes, yes, they let us know. Um, I think one of the most read stories probably this year was the school performance grades. People want to know, how is my school doing specifically? Um, but one of the nice things about my job um, that WRL allows me to do is to really spend more time digging into stories. Um, I was able to spend several months working on a story about the state's virtual charter schools, the two new virtual charter schools, so that's something we'll be following. Um, they're on a four-year pilot program to see if they can succeed in the state, um, so that's that's one of the things that we're continuing to follow. Right. What about you? What are you working on? Anything you can preview? Anything, <laughs> any, any, any breaking news? You can break it right here. <laughs> I don't know about breaking news right at this moment. I don't know if my editor would yeah, be too happy if I uh, did that. But uh, I've been looking, uh, especially into this teacher diversity uh, issue, into doing some more stories on that, um, just in terms of the challenges facing uh, black males specifically right. in the teaching profession. That's one thing I've been looking at. Um, and, and as Kelly mentioned, the nice thing about working for WUNC is the same. I, I get sort time. of the space and time to work on um, you know, more in-depth stories. And another thing I'll be looking at is uh, the Read to Achieve program and um, sort of the, the things that need to happen for a student to be successful in terms of reading at grade level in the third grade, um, but really starting at birth, what needs to happen before a student even gets to 
school and to kindergarten. A question for you. I, I, I talked to you right after you came, you came to WNC. You had moved here from Maryland. Mm -hmm, um, that's right. Any, uh, is the education landscape issues different here in North Carolina from what you were covering there? Um, so I was covering a pretty well-off um, county in between D.C. and Baltimore. So there were a lot of federal workers there. There was a pretty big tax base for the schools. And also, it was one of those counties where people were moving there to send their, their kids to school okay. there. But despite that, the school system still dealt with some of the same issues like equity. Equity was huge there. I mean, you would think that it wouldn't be a problem just because there are more resources to sort of address these issues. But when I was there, the, the school system started publishing discipline data. Um, and it turned out that seven, uh, black students were being suspended seven times more frequently mm -hmm. than white students. So that system was dealing, as, as much of Maryland is, um, despite the, the level of resources they have in comparison to this state, they're still dealing with these issues of equity. All right, last question for you, Kelly. Um, if, you people, if people follow you on Twitter, they may have seen you as a rec records geek. Records geek, and a lot um, of people think that I collect yeah, music records. No, but it's about public information records. Right. What role do public, um, like finding public information out uh, play into your job? huge part. Um, I think that it's one of the most tools, uh, one of the most useful tools that a reporter has is, is finding, filing public records requests, trying to find um, documents and data that can help shine a light on some of the things that you're looking into. And, you know, one of the important things is this is not, these are not my records, it's not just for reporters to request. The public can request them, anybody can. And I just want to say that I think that we're talking about stories and listening to Lisa and thinking about we have such a strong education, you know, education reporters in this state. Well, we appreciate. And I'm just glad to work alongside. Well, them. you, like I said, right you, you guys do some terrific work. We appreciate. It. Keep digging. Keep Thank digging you. on everything. Thank you very much. Thank you. After the break, this week's leadership spotlight. Each week, Education Matters spotlights individuals demonstrating exceptional leadership in education in North Carolina based on nominations from you, our viewers. This week, we spotlight Dr. Camille Hedrick, principal of Panther Creek High School in Wake County. So resources in a school can make or break a school. And what I mean by that is what resources you get, but also what you do with your resources. My resources are people, my resources are time, my resources are all the things that feed into giving my students what they need. I believe that the people at the table make the decisions. I have a lot of trust in whoever is at whatever table. For example, it's not my job to decide if we have staff development money or not. It is, however, my job to make sure that my teachers get staff development. So if I don't get staff development money from the state, and I don't get staff development money from anybody else, then I rent my building and I get staff development money from there. I find it somewhere else. If I don't have money for classroom libraries, then I put the word out to my families and I say, we'd like to have classroom libraries, and the families find the classroom libraries. So in a lot of our classrooms, you'll see shelves where teachers have science resources and history resources and world language culture resources and English books. We find that students who read more uh, score better and they are better students and they are happier students. Anyone who is a struggling reader 
who reads for five minutes more a day becomes a better reader. They grow. And so we believe it's important to build reading into our day. So if we believe they matter, then we have to commit to it and we have to find a way to make it happen. We don't, however, have a lot of money. No school has a lot of money. So committing your resources to that means also finding a way to make it happen when you don't have the resources, being creative with your resources. We looked at our ACT scores about three years ago and we said they can be better. And the ACT scores are important credentials for high school students. 93% of our students either go to two or four year colleges. So that's pretty major for us that we give them good credentials. We started looking at how we could incorporate writing into all of our subjects. And if you are looking at data or if you're looking at an authentic piece of text, then you should have an opinion about that. And you should be able to say, this is my opinion and this is why this is my opinion, and I should be able to convince you that I am going in the right direction. And this is a manifestation of good, authentic, legitimate thinking where you're proving that you're right. As a result of this, over the last three years, our scores for our students with disabilities, our students of poverty, all the students that you worry about not growing, all of those students, their scores are improving as a result of of this one initiative, which is not hard to do. It just takes commitment on the part of our teachers and it takes us taking time and us listening to each other and looking at data and being committed to all doing one thing well. If you know someone or a program that deserves to be recognized, visit our website, ncforum.org, click on Education Matters and you'll find a link to nominate someone in your community. After the break, this week's final word. As some of you know, the public school forum that presents this show to you each week developed the original North Carolina Teaching Fellows Program, and we proudly administered it for the state for 29 years. Our last class of 500 teaching fellows graduated in May 2015. I run into teaching fellows all the time as I travel the state, and we actually have a North Carolina Teaching Fellows alumni group on Facebook if you want to connect with other fellows alums. But one of the reasons why we're so proud of that program is how long teaching fellows stay in teaching. The program graduated more than 8,000 teaching fellows and 64% were still in the public school system six or more years after completing the required years of service in our public schools. Now the new program has the same name but with some differences. First it targets STEM and special education teachers, the two hardest subjects to staff year in and year out. The program also provides an incentive to teach in a low performing school providing faster payback of what is a forgivable loan. Both of these are great ideas. The program also has a pathway for current college students and for those who already have a bachelor's degree who wish to enroll in a teacher preparation program. Now while the new teacher, pro the new fellows program offers a higher scholarship dollar amount, it is a smaller effort overall, currently funded to be about 160 teaching fellows each year compared to 500 in the original version. It's also only found on five campuses. When it ended, the original program was on 17 campuses. We hope that our legislators and our university partners will grow and expand the program, adding more fellows, more program support, and more university partners, including our historically black colleges and universities. Given our diversity challenge teaching workforce, strengthening our teacher pipeline is important. This will take time and a sustained commitment. 
the new North Carolina Teaching Fellows Program is a great way to start. The online application to apply will be available next week at their website, the new website, ncteachingfellows.com. So go check it out to learn more. That's it for this week's show. Tune in next week when we visit two area schools that are using technology to personalize learning for their students. Thanks for watching and we'll see you next week.